Yeah, I'm going with the old open. Because I like the old open. And uh, a lot to like about Ohio State's victory today. 28 to 16. Uh, you know what I really, 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 really like about it? I don't have to hear anymore. Well, what happens if they face adversity? Because they faced adversity today. Lots of adversity. Um, you could say self-inflicted, or you could say inflicted upon them by Penn State. That's how it works in football. Is it your mistake if you fumble, or is it credit to the other guy? Doesn't really matter. You fumbled, it's their ball. Uh, and Penn State closed a 21-0 lead to 21-17. to And we're in the third quarter, and all of a sudden we're starting to wonder, hmm, is this going to be like that game years ago when Terrell Pryor tried to go outside the tackle on fourth and one and Penn State forced a fumble, and then their backup quarterback, Pat Devlin, came in the game and led him to a touchdown and a 13-6 victory. Yeah, Will uh, Will Levin, boy, he was uh, impressive today for uh, Penn State. I, uh, I don't know if James Franklin is going to face questions about uh, why Sean Clifford is his starting quarterback or not. But, uh, man, that kid looked to me like he gave Penn State a charge. Uh he played well enough I should remember his name. It's Will Levis. <laughs> Will Levin. But, uh, man, I I don't know. Uh, I don't want to hear from Penn State fans. Well, if we'd have had Clifford. No, you had Clifford. And you were in a 21 to nothing hole. And Levis came in, and I, he looks to me like he runs better and throws better. I'm sure he makes uh, mistakes like the one he made to Justin Hilliard for the interception. Uh, down at the OSU 20-yard line that uh, staved off uh, Penn State answering Justin Fields' touchdown pass to Chris Olave. But let's go through this one. Ohio State is your Big Ten East champion. And they will play Michigan next week in Ann Arbor at noon, and it won't matter how that game comes out, except it will matter because it always matters. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you here on the Spielman Hooley podcast. Chris is, uh, as you might expect, uh, given the chance to watch Penn State and Ohio State all the production meetings were pushed back. And so they're like, okay, now, no, no time for a podcast, Mr. Spielman. So we regret that. <clears throat> but I assume from Chicago, he'll be able to get here Monday. And we'll have him bright and early Monday to talk about Ohio State's ascent to 11-0. and In the meantime, we thank you for joining us. And um, there's a lot to like about this. I don't think it's a bad thing. And certainly Ryan Day after the game didn't sound like he thought it was a bad thing that Ohio State did finally have to confront some doubt in the second half of a game. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports on asked him, did you find out anything about your team today? And he said, yes. Now, I don't know that that's going to be the toughest challenge that they have because, as I've said all year, I think Clemson is the team that stands out to me as having the back seven that can contend with Ohio State. And that is why this game got away. You can say, well, you know, Bruce, you said Ohio State was going to throw for a crazy number of yards against Penn State, and they did not. Uh, Justin Fields passed for only 188. I said back seven just a second ago. Back seven includes linebackers, and Penn State did not have the linebackers who could account for who? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. I mean, James Franklin has got to be dying inside. More so, I think more so than he was after Ohio State came back and beat 
Penn State 39-38 and came back and beat Penn State 27-26 because he had Justin Fields committed. And Justin Fields is the difference in this game today. Justin Fields is the difference. I know we tend to focus on the end of the game and we tend to focus on, you know, things like maybe his fumbles. Well, he fumbled going into the end zone. Yeah, he did. Why were they going into the end zone? Because of him. Because of him. First touchdown drive. 91 yards all on the ground. Yeah. Um, He converts on third and, what was the first one? Third and five, third and, I think he had a third and five and a third and 12. And on the third and 12, I saw this as it unfolded, which I don't typically have that gift. They got a linebacker spying Justin Fields. Go watch it on the tape. You can find it, Fox College Football Twitter. They've got the play. 36 for Penn State is spying Justin Fields. And Justin Fields goes back. It's not a called run. It's a scramble. And he comes out, and the Penn State kid closes, and he's got Justin Fields dead to rights. Exactly how they schemed it. Exactly how they wanted it. And Justin Fields makes a play and runs for, what was it, 22 yards? First down, Ohio State. And then J.K. Dobbins is in the end zone, and then Penn State's playing from behind. Fourth and five. Later in the half. Uh, I joked on Twitter that there were um, 11 people in the stadium who didn't know Justin Fields was running a quarterback draw. And unfortunately for Penn State, all 11 were playing defense at that very moment in time (laughs) because the Red Sea parted. And he ran it all the way down to, like, inside the five-yard line. Now, I, in hindsight, have been corrected and stand corrected. There were 12 people who did not know that Justin Fields was going to run a quarterback draw on that. And the 12th was, of course, James Franklin. But Justin Fields running the football today a season-high 21 times is the difference in this football game. And it's why, for Ohio State to lose a game... It's going to have to come against a team that has the DBs to hang with Chris Olave, Austin Mack, K.J. Hill, Garrett Wilson, and linebackers who can come up and make tackles on Justin Fields when he dives out of the pocket and gets away from pressure. If, and I must say if, because I think there is a big if on this one, if such linebackers exist. Because he may be the unsolvable puzzle. He may be the unsolvable puzzle, folks. And while I'm extolling the virtues of Justin Fields, who to me, I know today the big buzz is, oh, Chase Young for Heisman and Chase Young this and Chase Young that, and Chase Young was phenomenal. Chase Young is always phenomenal. I'm used to Chase Young being phenomenal. This game today, to me, is Justin Fields, and I cannot extol the virtues of Justin Fields without comparing him to the player that I saw last year at Georgia. And so I must extol the virtues of Ryan Day, his quarterback coach Mike Yursich, Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator, and yes, of course, the offensive line that blocks for Justin Fields and gives him the opportunity to make the plays that he makes. But let's not just confine uh, our gushing over Justin Fields to his legs and his improvisational skills and his willingness to carry the football 21 times against a physical defense. Let's not leave out his, what was it, a 28-yard pass to K.J. Hill? 
Um, don't know you can throw that one any better. Don't know that you can. Phenomenal throw to K.J. Hill for a touchdown. Now, the Olave throw, eh, 24 yards to K.J. Hill. I apologize. The, the Olave throw, it was up there a while, and Chris Olave, boy, is he fantastic. Made a great play on it. That one's a kind of a 50-50 that if you're playing a Clemson, if you're playing... If you're, I'm going to say, if you're playing Clemson, because that's it. What is it, Oklahoma's not going to make a play on that ball. Alabama's not going to make a play on that ball. Um, LSU going to make a play on that ball? I mean, LSU really, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make a play on that ball. I think it's Clemson, folks. I do. I think it's Clemson, and I think that's why you want to get to the number one seed because you don't want to have to play Clemson until the final. Although, you know, I mean, if you beat Clemson in the semifinal, then the final is kind of a downhill run like it was against Oregon after uh, you beat Alabama. But I'm just exceedingly impressed the more I see of Justin Fields. And yes, I know, yes, he fumbled the ball twice today, and that's egregious. Okay, so he's up to four fumbles on the year and one interception on the year. And he had 41 touchdowns coming in. So now he's got 43 touchdowns and five turnovers. And he's going up to Michigan. And I I don't think Michigan's defense is any better than Penn State's. Chris does. Um, and I stand by. I went to Indiana, went right up and down the field on him today on the first series. And as I sat down to do this podcast, it's 7-7. Seven to seven. Um, Maybe Michigan wins that game. I said they would lose. I put them on. I didn't say they would lose. I put them on upset alert. But here's... The problem when you play Ohio State in a game where they aren't afraid to cash their insurance policy. What do I mean by that? Their insurance policy is Justin Fields running the ball. Michigan has to account for that. Penn State had to account for that. Clemson will have to account for that. Whoever the Buckeyes play in the first round of the playoffs will have to account for that. Minnesota or Wisconsin, the winner of that game in Minneapolis next week, They probably won't have to account for that because I think Ohio State's good enough to win the Big Ten Championship without running Justin Fields. And why would you run him if you don't need to run him? Because late in the game, you know, heart in my throat when Justin Fields is hurt. And if they have to play Chris Chuganoff, I think they can beat Michigan and I think they can beat Minnesota or Wisconsin, but I don't think they can win a playoff game with Chris Chuganoff. Although I wouldn't put anything past Ryan Davis as good as he is at calling plays. But here's what I think is a problem. It's not a big revelation, but this is a big problem for teams playing Ohio State. And, you know, when when something happens once, you know the old saying, fool me once, shame on me. Fool, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. If something happens once, it's an aberration. If something happens twice... It could maybe be a coincidence. Maybe. If something happens three times, it's not a coincidence. It's not an aberration. It's a habit. It's a routine. So here is something that has happened three times, and it's a routine. And somebody's going to have to interrupt this routine if Ohio State is going to be beaten. Let's go all the way back to the game against Michigan State in the horseshoe. No, the mighty Spartans came into Ohio Stadium. Allowing 55.8 yards rushing on the season. They were going to really make it hard for J.K. Dobbins and company. 
And Ohio State against the defense that allowed 56 yards per game rushing put up 323. Well, then Wisconsin came into Ohio Stadium. And Wisconsin came into Ohio Stadium even after losing to Illinois, allowing just 58 yards on the ground. And that was going to be really tough for J.K. Dobbins and really tough for Master Teague and really tough for Justin Fields. And the mighty Badgers who allow 58 yards per game left having surrendered 264, which is uh, four times more, almost five times more than they were allowing coming in. Today, uh, Penn State entered the stadium with a spiffy 75.9 yards per game rushing average. Uh, 75.9. Buckeyes go for essentially twice that in the first half. 147 on the ground in the first half. And then 229 for the game. So you're like, well, you know, second half we didn't run it very well. Well, the second half, you're up 21 to nothing, and the element of surprise is kind of gone. And Ryan Day said after the game that once they got up 28 to 17, he was going to run the football and rely on his defense. So Penn State benefited after the fact from knowing that the run was coming so they could, you know, blitz a bit. And still, 229 against the defense, giving up 76 per game on the ground. I guess we'll have to just somehow find a way to go to sleep and not toss and turn all night with Ohio State rushing for only three times the yards that Penn State was allowing on the season. And this is what I anticipate next week in Ann Arbor. Ohio State will do whatever it wants to do. If it wants to throw the ball up and down the field and make Michigan look silly in the secondary like it did a year ago scoring 62 points, it can do that. If Ohio State wants to run the football, they can do that. And they'll do whatever they want to do in the Big Ten title game. And then it'll get interesting in the playoff because, you know, if it's LSU, then Ohio State will have to outscore them, which they can do. Uh, If it's Georgia, and Georgia's got a good defense – the Georgia game would probably look a little bit more like today's game, where I don't know that Ohio State would get over 30, but Georgia wouldn't get – I don't think Georgia would get 17. And that would have all kinds of delicious storylines with Justin Fields going back to play Georgia, as would Joe Burrow playing against Ohio State. But again, I've said and I'll continue to say that I think Clemson is the team. Clemson is the team. Uh, they're not losing either. Uh, they seem to be interested now. And uh, this win was a very good win for Ohio State today. They answered the question that some people have, and now we hopefully won't have to hear it again. What happens if they face adversity in the second half? What happens? What happens is they make a play on offense, and they make a play on defense. And while you'd probably pick, oh, I don't know, Chase Young, B.B. Landers, Devon Hamilton, Tuff Borland, Malik Harrison, uh, Damon Arnett, or Jeff Okuda, or Sean Wade, or Jordan Fuller, Uh, or Baron Browning to make the play on defense. It was instead Justin Hilliard. It was instead Justin Hilliard. So you don't know, or or you might have picked Pete Werner, because he was getting a lot of run today against Firemuth. You don't know who's going to make the play, and the great news as a Buckeye fan is that anybody you throw out there can make the play. Anybody you throw out there can make the play. Uh, interesting to see what this will do in the college football playoff. You know, you got a win over number eight now. LSU's playing Arkansas. They're ho- they're, they're they're just terrible, 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 terrible. I I assume LSU will run them out of the building, and will LSU hang on? Will the Buckeyes hop over LSU? That'll be interesting. That'll be very interesting to see. And then you know, if Ohio State, I mean, I think it's bad for Michigan either way. If Ohio State hops over. LSU, then Ohio State's going to want to win big at Michigan to protect that number one ranking. If Ohio State doesn't hop over, 
LSU, then Ohio State's going to want to win big at Michigan to hop over LSU. Now, LSU will have the benefit of a tougher opponent in Georgia in the SEC title game. So I think if LSU stays unbeaten, LSU will finish number one probably. Um, And Ohio State will be number two. And if Ohio State's number two, Clemson will probably be number three, and then it'll be on. But again, that could be good. You want to play Clemson with more time to prepare or less time to prepare? I think I would prefer to play them with more time to prepare because then you might have an answer for Justin Ross and Trevor Lawrence and all the other great players that they have, Travis Etienne and others. Uh, But Clemson, to me, their back seven looks like it's capable. Nobody else's back seven looks capable. And Justin Fields today, my ultimate takeaway from this, as great as Chase Young is, I still think Justin Fields plays a much harder position. Justin Fields is... To coin a phrase many years ago by Reggie Jackson, Justin Fields is the straw that stirs the drink. He's the straw that stirs the drink. You keep him upright, you keep him healthy, you're going to have a chance to win the national championship. Uh, we will uh, segue on out of here uh, as uh, my daughter's in a school play tonight. And uh, tomorrow morning, I'm looking forward to uh, being in church at Northwest Chapel. I hope you're looking forward to being in the church of your choice. I was thinking this week, you know, we are talking about the college football playoff rankings a minute ago. Um, and how they jockey up and down. And uh, I was thinking about all the things in our life that we rank in terms of priority. You know, we have a lot of things as guys that we rank in terms of priority, and a lot of things that we have to attend to. We're not unlike the college football playoff committee. You know, they got to keep their eyes on this team and that team and strength of schedule and win probability and all the different analytics and stuff. You're the same way. You and I, we are the same way. Mr. Spielman, the same way. We have wives. We have children. We have jobs. We have recreational pursuits. We have friends. We have uh, people who need our help. And uh, we have any number of things that can distract us. Um, So where do we rank things in our life And what needs to always be number one in our life? Well, first and foremost, of course, your relationship with Christ, your time spent in prayer, your time spent in the Bible. But I want to tell you who needs to be locked into that number two spot. Who needs to be locked into that number two spot? It is not you. It is not your kids. It is not your job. It is not your recreational pursuits. It is not your fantasy football team. It is your wife or husband. Locked in there behind your relationship with Christ. Blended family, not a blended family, adopted children, whatever, don't care. The wife, the husband has to be your top priority on this earth, other than your relationship with Christ. Has to be. I have a friend who I see from a distance, and um, his wife... Um, was married before and was praying for someone like him to come into her life, and he did. And I look now, and it looks like, um, and this is not specific to her because guys do this too. I'm guilty of this sometimes. We take our spouses for granted. Take our spouses for granted. And we get caught up in our kids' lives and their high school stuff, plays, games, recitals, academics, college pursuits, whatever. We get caught up in our jobs. Job's important. you got to provide. I get it. But you have to maintain your commitment to your spouse. You have to. That's biblical. 
That's essential to all the other balls you're trying to keep in the air. Uh, it's, you know, happy wife, happy life is a kind of a snarky way of saying it, but it's more than that. It's more than just happy. It's devoted. It's devoted. So, guys, let's do this right. You know, I, I do this because I want to help guys from drifting because I have drifted myself. And when I drift, I tend to drift away from correctly ranking and prioritizing things in my life. So just a call to account. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because once you get things back in order, everything goes better. But you're called to love your wife, to love your husband. You leave your parents and you cleave, you, you, you are bonded to that person. And you cannot put your kids in front of them. You can't do that. So uh, that's my spiritual coaching and <laughs> encouragement for you this day on a day where Ohio State goes to 11-0, 28-17 over Penn State. Everybody have a great day, and we will talk to you again on Monday.